You are now listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris, and you're listening to a podcast that believes in dreams, that places trust in the magic of imagination, that is always the first start of the right, and where the light in the window is always on. Join as we discuss the views from Walt's apartment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of Walt's Apartment. Um, I'm Sean. I'm joined here by Lou. How are you doing tonight, Lou? I am doing great. Excited for this uh, session interview. This little Absolutely. game right here. We're just going to have some fun. We're, we're, we had um, Danny on, Danny on a, like a month ago, a couple months actually, and it was a blast. And him and David are on. Now Danny has the 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 reins of the fifty five seventy one podcast all to himself, and uh, we just wanted to touch back, touch base with you. You're always down there. We want to get your thoughts on everything going on down there. So, just ask Danny is here. Danny, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm. I love that intro song. You can't you can't not dance when you hear that song. So. You know, it's funny <laughs> that we. It's. Uh, I'll even like I said, and our show goes off off all the time. So if you don't know. I don't know if you're aware, but the gentleman that that does that intro is Chris. He says, hi, my name is Chris. He passed away after our second episode of this. I think we talked about it before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's funny. I've, I've been looking for the the audio of that of, of his intro without the music, because sometime when we get over a thousand, you know, on YouTube, I like to be able to go on there and do stuff. And we can, obviously can't play the song. So literally about two hours ago, I put in our Discord that I fa- I finally found the the um, audio of him doing that without the music, so I can find some kind of music to put in there. So that's funny that you said, and you, you're right, you can't dance, you can't not dance to that song. Right. Um, it is. It's funny. I have you guys heard on TikTok the guy that um, sings that like really slow, like a love song. Yes, I have like a wedding version of it or something. It's yeah. beautiful. And the song is, if you actually listen to it, it's actually a beautiful song. And the meaning behind it, you're like, holy crap, this is literally a love song, you know? But uh, yeah, so we're so happy to have you here. Tell us about your show. Tell us about your channel. Tell us about just how things are going. And we're going to get into some, some questions slash just some conversation with you and just have some fun. Yeah, so I host uh, the 5571 podcast, which is, a podcast mainly about Disneyland. We do talk about some other theme park news as well, mainly Southern California theme parks. But um, I have sometimes I have guest hosts on. Um, I did have David Vaughn as our, my podca- podcast host before, um, but he has just become so busy with so many things. He had to kind of step away from it. But he said he's definitely coming back as guest host a few times. So we're planning those out in the future. Nice. Um, and then, of course, <clears throat> I have my YouTube channel, uh, Just Ask Danny. Um, where you can search that on YouTube. Look at all. I usually do Disneyland updates, some other theme parks as well. And then you can also find me on Speculation Sunday, uh, uh, live stream on Sundays, typically Sunday. Yes. <laughs> I know sometimes we switch days, um, but that's at, on Mondo's Five Fires YouTube channel as well. Yeah, it's 
that show's fun. I I don't I don't get it on Sunday night, but like when I get to work on Monday, I know it's always there. So uh, I'll pop it on and then I'll listen. And it's usually like two and a half hours long. You guys just go and go and go. And that dude has you both. You you guys contrast each other so well, which is like what I like about our show that there's so many different hosts that we have. But I mean, he does his we live, and you just kind of sit there and smile and you, you know and. <laughs> And he's just always over the top. And I know um, Lewis got to meet you guys for Disney 100 and talk to Mondo and talk to you. And we might have him on the show, hopefully here. I think we're talking March after the baby's a little bit older and stuff like that, but it'll be fun. But you guys have like all this information. And I literally was supposed to be at Disney 100 on um, the, the first day and things changed. and I couldn't go. So all morning I'm watching the live stream with you and Mondo and the group you're with, like doing all the pictures and, oh, you know, yeah. just crazy. It was just crazy. We're going to talk about Disney 100 and get your thoughts on that and stuff. But um, so the 5571, how many shows are you in now? Um, I just posted today, actually, uh, on the day that we're recording this, yeah. um, the 24th episode. So nice. Good for you. Are you, are you enjoying Are you loving it? I do. I really like the podcast format. Um, I used to be a part of um, the Disney Examiner podcast, which is with mm. Jordy uh, Poblady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that for like five years with him. So, and I, I miss doing podcasts. So I was like really excited to get back in it and do it again. Um, you know, and I'm excited to keep it going. Uh, it's definitely nice because i can you know expound more on a little things i like to discuss mm-hmm. and kind of riff off with other people yeah. uh, a lot of times when i'm doing like youtube videos um i kind of switch it up sometimes i'll do like a vlog style format or sometimes i'll do a scripted like more informational video yeah. uh, those ones take a while so i uh, i like the podcast because you can kind of just have the conversation so. Yeah, and your podcast is literally it's 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 no frills, which is really cool. You know what I mean? You just start talking. There's no intro. You're like, hey, this is Danny. Welcome to the fit. And there's I'm like, this this is great. Like the episode today, it was just you. I, I've done I've done I've been doing this for like three years now, and I've done one episode by myself. And you talk about stress. I mean, do you do you just go or do you actually do you like stop and pick it back up or is it just like a continuous thing when you do it uh i do i do stop yeah like i have yeah. um you can't like, tell <laughs> i different do different takes and then i edit it together yeah. as one kind of take um i did i think a really long time ago um like before david joined me on the podcast when i had like the jad cast for like a little bit mm-hmm. i did like the first ever episode with like i had a whole script and like different bullet points i wanted to hit at different things and I did that, like basically try to do it in one take. And it was so, it was so hard. I was like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm just oh, going to yeah. like, kind of edit it together. Um, you know, I still, ha- I still have like long segments where I kind of go off and ramble, um, but I'll, you know, I'll kind of cut them together and, and put them as like that. When I'm with someone else though, that's usually like a one take thing, but you get a break because you're like kind of mm-hmm. you know having a discussion. So. Yeah, it's like, like I said, I've listened to a few. I listen, I listen to you and David when you guys start. I've listened to a few of the ones since. I usually, I don't go. I don't. I, I live like a mile from work, so I don't drive a lot. But when I'm, when I'm on the road, I'll I'll listen to a few and I'll listen to your show. And I'm like, dang, he just it's just so seamless. And I now I, it, I like I said when I did the one by myself, I thought, oh, yeah, I have all these notes. It's gonna take like an hour. I was done like in twelve minutes because I yeah. just like blah 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 blah. Okay, extra magic hours over. 
because I'm like, we got to get something out and I did it, but yeah, but your show's great. I love it. The information you. you bring the detail and it's very like current and up to date. And it's just like your, your YouTube, me and Lewis were talking before, before this afternoon and before you came on and he's a, he's a huge fan of like your style of, of how you do your videos. So Lewis, if oh, you want to expand on that a little bit, so <laughs> Yeah, because I have a question. So you're, you just released episode 24, and yeah. your podcast is called is 5571. So I have a question. Are you, any special theming or ideas, since it's all about years, is there anything special for episode 28? Oh, uh, I hadn't thought, I guess I haven't thought about that, but that's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, because I was like 55. Obviously, that's Disneyland's year. Opening yeah. 71 Walt Disney World. So doing something kind of cool to play with the years on episode um, 28. Yeah. I mean, we missed 23. On, we didn't miss that one, but <laughs> opportunity opportunities here for episode 28. I know, right? Well, I don't know. Was What was 23 was the last episode? Oh, that was my Q&A. So dang, I was like, too bad it didn't line up with the Disney 100 episode being 23, because then that would have worked. But <laughs> the Q&A, the, that's, I listened to the Q&A on Saturday night, and that was it, that was a really good show. And you have your, your um, fans ask really good questions and like like yeah i wonder that too i wonder that too i wonder that too because i'm not always there like i you know like i would like i would love to be but uh yeah i mean kudos to you your show's great i really love it and i've been a fan of i've told you this before um, for a while you've been doing this for a while and um you just make good content you're and we were talking about like your your youtube videos they're just there's a, there's a different flow to them as well too like you can tell and like you were talking about scripting and stuff like that, you do a lot of uh, voiceovers on your things and not a lot of, you kind of go back and forth, but when you do like the script and like, dang, this guy just knows, he just knows his stuff. And you were a former cast member, right? Yeah, I was a former cast member. Um, and yeah, I, I write out the scripts um, and then I'll kind of like rehearse them a little bit and then record. Um, and then sometimes I'll get like a lot of feedback from people that have kind of watched the channel for a while or watch me on Mondo Speculation Sunday and they like ask me like where the vlog kind of style is again. So mm-hmm. I'll switch it up. Like I did this last video I put out and put out like a, a more kind of in-person um, piece together. I tried out a new microphone on that video. And actually the first half of the video was kind of a struggle. I really had to work to get the audio because I didn't turn it on correctly. So, but I've got it down now. I've got it down. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I notice a lot of the vloggers now you guys, you guys do, you have like a, like a mic. Is that just connect to your phone? Yeah, so um, actually, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Peter from Ordinary Ventures, he's one of my really good friends. Uh, he him. recommended <laughs> he recommended that to me, and so they use it too. Um, it's this really cool little transmitter, and it has two microphones if you want it, mm-hmm. uh, and then it can connect to anything that can receive the the device. So you put it like you can put it in your phone, you can put it in um, anything that has like a, a microphone jack on it or something like that. That's cool, and they're Bluetooth, obviously, right? They're just kind of, or, or does it plug into it? Uh, no, yeah, it's it's like a wireless Bluetooth. Oh, nice. I, I would imagine it's Bluetooth. Yeah, I've seen a few people that you know, uh, Best Life and Beyond. I see that they they use them now, and I, I've seen. Um, I don't know if David from Fresh Baked uses one of those. It's, it seems like it because his audio is really good. It's, it's, yeah, he's always. I'm, I'm sure he does. He's always got really good audio. Does Mondo use one of those? No, no, Mondo's just loud so that's one thing i liked with the videos like you you tell them like it shows speculation sunday and then also the way you do the videos it's in a it's in a way 
you're answering questions. You're sharing info that's almost like the way someone would ask. Like, hey, where is this going? It's not adding so much extra or not enough. The way you guys do the Speculation Sunday and your individual videos, they have a sense where it's like that question is if I was to call a 1-800 number and ask a question about something, it was answered that way where it doesn't leave me guessing or wanting mm-hmm. more. And then the views you guys get is exactly what I would want to film or see if I was filming the San Francisco bridge. Like I saw that video today and I was like, that's the stuff that I want to see. And then also throwing in a little tips and tricks, why the water is drained and when it's drained, what does that mean? I love that. It's always the questions that I would have coming next that usually are answered. Yeah. 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 That was, that one's a little, um, I always like to mention that one because people kind of their minds like when they, find out about like the the area around the Pacific Wharf being like the reservoir for Grizzly River Run. It was really ingenious because uh, any of those water rides at any theme park, they always have big reservoirs like that. Typically they're kind of like in backstage areas, but you look at Grizzly River Run, right? It's completely in the middle of the theme park. There's no backstage areas. So they had to get creative with the reservoir for it. And it's right there on stage in front of everyone. So, Hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, you you you're on with so many different people as well that, that you get, you have like this huge. I asked you this last time. I asked you guys about your community and stuff like that. I think Lewis, we he came up with some questions today. And, um, who are some of your favorite uh, podcast vlogger influences? Um, God, I mean, I love. Um, I, I definitely look up to Mondo and love and love the way that he does stuff. Right, he's just where he works so hard and so consistent. I don't think I've ever met anyone as consistent as he is. And so I yeah. feel like I definitely look up to him for that because I can't be as consistent as him, and I, but I'd like to be. So <laughs> I definitely look up to that. Um, you know, so many great people though. Like um, I really look up to, to David and, and, you know, just how um, he's so charismatic and he's so like um, able to just really mold whatever he's doing into kind of, being current and trendy and just on mm-hmm. it. Like he's better that than everyone. Um, Ordinary ventures. I love them. I'm wearing their, their sweater right now, actually. Nice. Um, they're, they're great people. They're just like the best people ever. And they seem like just, yeah, you just want to go hang out and like drink with them. Yeah. Just, just, you know, <laughs> and, and then uh, mouse vibes too. love them. They're some of my great friends as well. As list goes on and on, but oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I would say, I would say podcast wise, like, um, God, I've, I've been listening to so many different podcasts, but I would say, um, Lou Mangiello was probably like the first podcast I listened to like mm-hmm. regularly, like yeah. before I kind of really did. I mean, back then I, when I was listening to him, I, I was really kind of just writing articles for different sites and things like that and covering different things, but I, ha- I wasn't really making any content per se. And, um, but I, I just loved like, um, at the time, like you know, back then it was my first few times at Walt Disney world. And so I just kind of loved absorbing his podcast. Cause it kind of made me feel like I was back at Walt Disney world. And I love his intro to his pod, how like every episode's different and it like kind of audios in different clips from Disney history. It's like really, really cool. Nice. I've never, yeah. I've never, I've never met him. Well, actually I took a picture with him, but like we didn't really introduce each other, but I've, I've never really met him. So ordinary ventures, their videos I've, Watched a handful of theirs. I just watched one. Uh, it was a WB tour, which that one I tried to watch. Uh, it took me pieces to watch it because they couldn't record that one. So they had to just like 
refresh and reflect what they saw. Um, but Ordinary Ventures, I remember coming across, I think it was a Catalina video. Me and my wife were watching it. We planned a whole trip based on that video. They, the way they film videos and they kind of go back and forth out of each other, I really enjoy their content. But you mentioned Omondo putting in some work. I mean, what you guys, first off, Speculation Sunday, two and a half hours, speculating, talking, really vibing off the audience energy is is a statement in its own. But when you guys are in the parks every other day or three to four times a week, and then some moments you're on the East Coast filming there, and you see it in the content, but now meeting you guys in person, it's even more surreal on how serious it is because we were there the opening day of Toontown, and it's, it's the opening day. We're getting to take this in for the first time, but we're not taking it in for ourselves. You guys got the camera out. You're vlogging it. So you're witnessing it the same time that your viewers are witnessing it. And it, that's kind of a challenge. Like I, I know yeah. some people that want to take that in for themselves first before filming it, but you guys were out there boots on the ground, filming, vlogging, talking. I think we had our lightning lane for 11 and you guys were already in there just putting in work. I was like, man, that's some dedication right there. Yeah, it's uh, it's true. You kind of have to just go in um, on those opening days and, and really it's just kind of work, work, work the whole day. You're just, uh, you know, you're filming every possible thing you could think you might need um, every angle trying to get on the ride, you know, as much, as much as we could that day, which was twice, right. Cause the boarding group and the lightning lane. So we did that. Right. Um, but also like for us, it was that day was just taking in what we could see inside Toontown already. Uh, and there were so many clues for those that were willing to sit there and look at them. Um, and so yeah, your video, was, your, your, your podcast today, you go into deep detail about yeah. what's coming up on Toontown. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That, and there was, it was just cool to see and see kind of some of that come, come to fruition um, and kind of imagine where the, you know, the other elements are going to be at and try to see over the wall if you can. <laughs> are there days that you go to the park where I'm going to the park for a recreational day versus I'm going to the park to make content? Like it, do you have days where you're like, you know what? I'm going there with my phone and that's it. Just enjoy the ambiance and the magic of Disney. Or is it more likely than not? Hey, when I go, the camera's rolling for something or anything. Or do you have those recreational self-care days where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy the Disney magic. Yeah, uh, I definitely have those days for sure. Um, and I, I'll go and I won't like film anything or post anything from from those days um this last weekend actually um uh, on saturday i was there i took a couple pictures of things that were new like in downtown disney that we shared a little bit on speculation sunday yesterday um but i didn't film anything like as far as the video was concerned just kind of like took it in and hung out with um a friend that was with and and um you know i don't always film but like when i go specifically for that i typically will go either on an opening day the other creators are there and we kind of all hang out. We're all doing the same thing, um, but we'll kind of split off and do our own things because, you know, they got to do their takes and we're not trying to get in their way or do anything, you know, be in their shot, stuff like that. Right. Um, typically if I'm filming, I'll go like by myself um, or I'll go with uh, if Mondo happens to be there that day. And then we kind of do our own thing and like meet up later at a certain time or something like that. That's his job, right? He's, he's, he's full-time that, right? Yeah, yeah, he does uh, YouTube as his job. Yeah, I remember. I, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was watching a video, 
And he was talking about that, that he was, he was playing golf. And I, I swear he's playing the Van Nuys. It looked like it was the Van Nuys golf course, but I could just be guessing and be way off, but he was golfing. And I want to say it was with Chris and he was talking about how he has another job. And it was like, it used to be like in finance or something. And now, and then I remember, I remember when he made the decision to come up, he's like, yeah, it's like Lewis said, you guys, it's, it's, it's cool to see the process. And, and I've always wondered that too, if you take that time to just chill and say, I'm going to go, but yeah, you two play off each other so well. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't know a way to explain it, but yeah, like, you know what he needs. He knows what you need. He knows when to ask you questions because mm-hmm. he knows that, you know, the answer, you know what I mean? So it's like, and he's just like, yeah, I'm looking forward to interviewing him. But because uh, I've been a f- fan of all of you guys like forever, I remember when he was with um, Chris. Was it Chris Rogers? Like yeah. all the time, they were always in the park together. And it was—I don't know if it was his sister or or someone. They were always with the the mom was with them all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's a couple of years ago, but I remember that was way before COVID. But yeah, it's just, you guys are great, and it's it's cool to do this now and be able to talk to these people, talk to Chris Provost from Provost Park Pass and stuff like that, and just. You know, which we got to do that again, Lewis. But um, yeah, it's you guys are great. And um, Lou, ask him. I'm gonna look at the questions here. We asked that one. Who's your which? Who's your favorite character, Danny? Did we discuss this before? No, I don't think we did. Okay, I don't, I don't know if we did or not. Favorite? Well, you know what we might have. Um, but now I totally forgot what I would have said before. But it's okay. Um. I think I think what you did was you asked what our favorite like uh, animated movie was. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Lewis go uh, with all these questions this time, so it makes it easier. Favorite character? That. Gosh, that's a really hard one. It, uh, I feel like it's hard because it changes for like all the time. Yeah. I have like I always say I have top three. Usually my top two stay the same, but like usually that third one's like a wild card. If I'm feeling that character or that 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 movie, so like. For me, it's it's very hard, but usually my top two still the same. Yeah, I could I could do a top three for sure. I would say um, definitely uh, Buzz Lightyear, like for sure. As in, is that probably like number? He's probably number two. I would say Tim um, Allen, right? Yeah, Tim Allen. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, number one would probably be gosh, um, I would say like Nick Wilde. From Zootopia. Oh, okay. oh, there you go. That's a good one. Um, and then number three, um, probably Wally. Wally. That's solid. I'm not a Wally fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lewis, go ahead and ask, pick a question, but ask him just kind of yeah, so, brain here. We've yeah, absolutely. So given the stuff you guys talk about and the in-depth stuff, being the not only Disney fans that we are, but also the Disney people that we want to know the blueprints. We want to know what's working, what's not. How can we fix what's not working, and how can we improve what is working? I'm curious, though. What are your overall thoughts? Any any key takeaways from the Q1 earnings call? Um, well, you know, obviously the the Avatar experience announcement that was pretty cool. Um, but I would say I feel what isn't working. It's like it's really difficult. We were talking about this too. Um, it seems like, you know, at the end of Bob Iger's era originally leading into the Chapek era and then during the Chapek era, it was like all in on Disney 100 or Disney 
plus, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it seemed like that was kind of the future. And it almost seems like now after this earnings call and just kind of the way that Bob's Bob Iger is making his new changes that um, they're really putting a priority back on cinematic releases in the theater. Um, And then also, you know, the, the question of the, of all in on streaming is really kind of up in the air. Like it almost, it almost seems like, you know, they're wanting to get rid of Hulu. And, um, you know, originally I would have thought they might want to try to buy off what's left from Comcast and, and merge Hulu with Disney plus because in other markets, um, Disney plus is just like, has all the Hulu content. Like they don't have Hulu. So (laughs) like, um, so I thought maybe we would absorb that and have that in the U S as well too, all on Disney plus. Um, but now I see a future really where Disney kind of focuses in on the quality of their storytelling, um, and going kind of more with like an Apple approach, I would say, you know what I mean? Like Apple like has their own streaming service, but they really Mm -hmm. like are very select on what's getting put out. They're not just churning content. They're not doing the Netflix kind of strategy where you just, pump billions of dollars in and just give everything you can and hopefully something sticks, you know? So I feel like they were kind of doing that for a second. And um, now they're kind of like trying to re reevaluate everything. And I think we might see moving forward, Disney move towards like licensing out their content again to things like Netflix and, and, you know, HBO, whatever HBO max ends up getting called. So you bring up a good point though, with them just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks because I think we mentioned this on our live show or I, or it might have been mainstream view, but we're talking about you look at things like Imagineering Story, Mandalorian, um, what else was on that when it first aired. They had all this time to curate that content, like really sit down and weave that perfect basket. But then once Disney Plus kicked off, some of the shows were either rushed or not quite the same in-depth magic. And I hope that with this on Disney plus, we get a lot more behind the scenes stuff, like what the DVDs used to do. You know, you had the bonus features. That's a thing that I think Disney plus can use when they release a movie. They're releasing like, for instance, black Panther just released the assembled um, episode of making of Wakanda forever. A really, really amazing. That was an amazing piece in its own, but I feel like some of the things like prop culture, that was a very awesome show, short-lived, but awesome show. Could have done a season two, could have had a few different seasons uh, behind the attraction. But then also the shows themselves, I feel like they're giving us a lot of content, but they almost know what content we want, and it's not there. So I hope that with these big theatrical releases, it gives these big releases the theaters to move into, but then allows Disney Plus to breathe with the – smaller shows and allow them more time to really make it and, and build on the story. But that I, you mentioned that. And I was like, that's a really way, awesome way to say it is they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we'll see what happens with Disney plus uh, with avatar though. <laughs> what, I mean, I'm, I'm excited here. I don't think we need avatar, but I'm also one that's Danny's like a huge avatar fan. So we have to back yeah. off of our feelings. <laughs> but, I, I, I like the first Avatar. The second Avatar, I haven't seen it yet. The closest theater to me is an hour away. I'm way out here in Josh Street. Um, I I love the look of Pandora. I've seen it virtually through your content, Mondo's content. 
every other buddy else's content out there, but I've never been in person. So I love the look of it. I love the feel of it. I love Joe Rody's view on it. Do I think it'll work in Disneyland? I'm going to hold my reviews because I want to hear what you think for Avatar, whether it's whether it's Disneyland, DCA, or the very, very far future Disney Forward, if it happens. Right. Um, yeah, I, I talked a little bit about this on my show, too. Um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, Bob Iger was pretty specific with word usage, right? Like, I agree. Knows, I agree. He knows what a themed land is. He knows what an immersive land is. He said that he said that before about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and Cars Land and stuff like that. So I think the word usage of experience um, is is pretty deliberate. So I, I think we're going to get something similar in the vein of what uh, Shanghai has in their Tomorrowland. Um, it seems most, you know, probably realistic to what we're going to get. We could even get something way less than that and get like a, you know, a movie theater experience. We have that Magic Eye Theater in Tomorrowland that's not even being used. And that theater moves a little bit. So, you know, we could do something there potentially um, rather than just having Path of the Jedi. If you remember that show that was there. Um <laughs> uh, so I, I imagine something like that. I, I definitely wouldn't rule out um, a Pandora World of Avatar-like land come to Disney at some point, Disneyland, mm-hmm. um, with the Disneyland Forward Project. Um, if, when you looked at the examples that Disney provided in um, the, the documents to the city and just in general to the public when they were talking about Disneyland Forward, and if you really do- dove deep into that map, and broke it down, which some channels like did really well. Like uh, Fresh Baked did a really good job of that. Um, but you could kind of see like what looked like a Wakanda like yep. land, and also to me what looked like maybe could have been Moana, and then uh, or not Moana, excuse me, Raya, like a Raya like mini land, and then another one that looked like Pandora with a floating yeah. mountain in the middle. So definitely, I could ex- I could see it being. Uh, a part of that, right, and and being um, in there um, as a potential, but those are those are all just like so far far off. I think Disneyland Forward is like their plan to move ahead with Disney through twenty thirty or to, uh, thir- the next thirty years. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So that's forever. You know what I mean. So like, who knows when that could be? But we've got like six Avatar movies coming out. So. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going anywhere yeah they're not going anywhere and they keep making a lot of money oh i think gosh, for yeah. me um avatar is just um it's a it needs to be experienced in the theater um mm-hmm. you need to watch it in 3d because that's how james cameron filmed it it wasn't a movie that they added 3d on afterward it was literally filmed in dolby 3d mm-hmm. so it's it's just amazing and um the music really caught me i'm a big soundtrack person um, you know, James Horner, of course, scored the first movie. He passed away, unfortunately, in a tragic accident. Um, but I feel like the new composer for Way of Water did a really good job of kind of making it his own, but also paying homage to that James Horner, like kind of the themes and stuff. So I think Way of Water did really good with that as well. And I feel like bringing something to life that showcases Way of Water a little bit in Disneyland, um, maybe more so than what we saw with what Shanghai got for their Pandora exhibit. I know they have the actual characters from Way of Water, but it seemed like their exhibit was more so like kind of based off of stuff from the first movie. So um, maybe we get something like that. Um, Tomorrowland makes the most sense to me as far as where it fits. Yeah. Um, I brought up a good point. Yeah. 
Yeah, I brought up a good point it's on Speculation Sunday. Um, people don't realize that Disney rarely leaves buildings vacant and um, and just sitting there, right? Like mm-hmm. people on the outside think that ESPN Zone is just sitting there. They think the the Star Wars launch bay is just sitting there, not being used. Um, the Blue Sky Cellar, but in actuality, Disney finds a way to monetize yeah. everything. And all of those locations, I can tell you personally, they make a lot of money. <laughs> so ESPN but, Zone, isn't it offices? It's it's offices, it's training space, it's a bunch yeah. of things. So if Disney's deciding to use these for something else, it needs to be able to bring in more money than what it's currently making. And so that all is part of the decision. So I don't necessarily know that we see it in any of those locations. And except for maybe like, I was thinking the, the launch bay potentially like uh, upstairs or even downstairs Mm -hmm. portion of it, not all of it. Cause I can't imagine the, the DVC member lounge is going to take up that whole top story of that building. Right. Maybe just a portion of it. I See, can't I, remember. Go ahead, Sean. I can't remember who said it this this last week, but someone said that the dirt pile over in uh, downtown Disney, they think that's going to be Pandora or the Avatar experience there. Which I, I cannot remember who. I watched so many different people. I cannot remember who said that that they they think that's it's going to be there where they took took out the theater where the theater was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're something early, there. But yeah. the, would would that work there? On downtown well, Disney, just by itself? I don't think so, because Disney already shared their plans for what they wanted to do with that space. So unless they just vastly change their mind and are going to drop a bomb on us, um, potentially. But they really, they've earmarked that space for more shopping, more dining, and right. uh, and live entertainment stages, right? Yeah, so, but you have movies that keep making $2 billion. I mean, <laughs> you're going to find a place to put it. So Yeah, they will. So, I pitched the idea of uh, me and Sean were talking about on our Discord. Uh, I pitched the idea, and, and hear me out real quick, because it makes sense after you share it. Uh, le- leveling out um, nope. Pirate's Lair, nope. Tom Slayer Island. Nope. Well, hold on. Hear me out. <laughs> I, I, I get that it's it, it holds Fantasmic, but Fantasmic and Tom Slayer's Islands don't match anyway. So you can do Pandora, where you have the islands, the little floating islands, kind of willow over the rivers of america so the steamboats going under it and stuff like that give that floating aspect not only that it's already an adventure island so imagine you're going through there through like pandora so like not only that Frontierland and adventure uh adventure land and um new orleans square at nighttime gets very dark if phantasmic's not going it gets pretty dark Imagine seeing all the luminescence when Fantastic's not going, all the luminescence and plants and all that from Avatar. Not only that, it would also help block the sight lines of Star Wars land when you're in uh, Adventureland. But if you're in Star Wars land looking outwards, which you can't really see, but you can see the floating planets will help the sight lines of Star Wars land. Not only that, it would give a whole new life to Adventureland. And also, if you were to pull that island out, you can build an, a ride, a dark ride inside that mound and give the outside just that aesthetic. And boom, it's in Adventureland, right across the treehouse. It all fits. You give it some like Navi tree and stuff like that, and you got a whole new life to it. Yeah, and while, I think, while you're sitting at Tiana's <laughs> palace, you're looking at <laughs> the Pandora. Pandora. 
That doesn't yeah. make sense to me. <laughs> I mean, having Pandora in Tomorrowland doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think it makes, I think it makes way more sense there. It, I, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it kind of does because it's like it's something that's like way in the future, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I I would love for something to come to Tom Sawyer's Island because it's in such disarray and really poor shape right now, as far as the, the condition of the island and like the way things are there. Uh, in some points, even dangerous, and they know that, so they've yeah. kind of blocked them off. Um, but but. Uh, like there's logistically, I don't really feel like there's a way to get people there on if they had such a, <clears throat> a, a an attraction there that would bring people in, especially like bioluminescence um, at nighttime. Um, the rafts just aren't going to cut it. So yeah. unless they made some sort of like underground tunnel that goes to it, potentially. That's not that. Um, but I mean, maybe that if that's a possibility, they could do that. That'd be maybe. But I think logistically getting people to the island on boats would be too hard. And that's not that it's not as big as you think. It's, yeah, no, it's, not, it's not really. It's not as big as I think. But if you put Avatar in Tomorrowland to give Avatar or Pandora, like some people like to call it, to give it justice, you're going to swallow all of Tomorrowland. And I feel like you're either going to change the name or if you try to stay with that futurist, futuristic look, you're going to go more towards like the science lab of it instead of like the nature and culture of Avatar. It wouldn't look right. It wouldn't look aesthetically normal. You'd have to go the human robot style of Avatar, the tanks with the the Avatar in them and stuff like that to really sell that futuristic look because everything outside of that, it's very natural. It's very Mother Nature-like. It's giving back to the planets like that. So I feel like Avatar, in order to do it justice, you really have to take all of Tomorrowland. And I don't see them doing that because it Matterhorn... The fact that Walt Disney was around when Matterhorn was built, I don't see something like Matterhorn being built today because it would ruin that sight line for the castle. Matterhorn has staked its land there. It's going to stay there. Nothing else will be built that's going to break that sight line. Matterhorn is one of its own because, obviously, Walt was there for that. But everything else, look at even the rockets. I mean, the rockets are built there, but that's been made an artistic piece instead of just the traditional rockets. Right. Danny, how's your time? I don't want to. Are you good or? Oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Okay. If you have to go, we have to wrap it up. Just tell me because right. we get going. It gets, it gets crazy. So I guess our last show was two and a half. We've never done a two and a half hour show. You guys do it all the time, but we've never done it. And I'm like, there's still people watching this. They're like, well, let's keep talking. I'm like, all right. So, <laughs> but um, we got to get you on, on one of our lives on a Wednesday night. That would, that'd be a blast. To, to yeah. Have you come on. Um, it's different. It's it's not speculation Sunday. I promise you. <laughs> um, yeah, I I know you're a huge Avatar fan. You made that clear on your thing. I I I don't know if it's it's necessary there. And then I thought about it. I was telling Lewis in our Discord, it's not necessary. And then they're laughing. All the the Patreons and the people are laughing at me for saying that. But I'm thinking, okay, this movie's made probably five billion dollars over the last two movies. There, it's it's not going anywhere, and they maybe they knew need maybe they do need to embrace it and deal with that. I just I don't know what else you do in actual Disneyland. I feel like it'd be more of a DCA thing to me if it's going to go anywhere. I, I it would go over there somewhere, like taking over the Grizzly Grizzly River Run, that whole side maybe. But then you're looking at the hotel at that instead of looking at the. It's just there's so many things. I'd first thought when they said when they said experience because I caught on that word too is experience. I'm like, 
okay, they're just they're just going to change soaring, which I think would be a good idea. You change soaring to like a you're flying through Pandora kind of thing for like a limited time, kind of experience Pandora from a different set of eyes. I think that'd be a cool idea. But yeah, you could think- even, uh, call it soaring over Pandora. I mean, you and could, just yeah. do it. Like a, yeah, you could. Yeah, I was going to say we have to we have to keep in mind too. Um, you know, James Cameron is very. Um, like for about lack of a better word, he's very persnickety about how like his franchises are used in the same vein as like JK Rowling and the Nintendo company, right? Like mm-hmm. they want, they, they want their, their device, their product, their intellectual property used in the way they want it to be used. And they right. want to have a lot of input in it. Um, he had a lot of massive input into Pandora world of avatar. What better person to do that with? then have Joe Rody as the partner for that. Right. Um, and he, even he said um, it blew past his expectations for what he felt possible in the physical world from what he saw in Pandora world of avatar. So it even blew his mind. Um, I can't imagine they would, uh, I can't imagine a, 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 a time where he would allow them to use the Pandora avatar franchise as just like a layover of an existing attraction i feel like he'd want to create something totally unique and uh to that's worthy of like his content so i feel like it, whatever we're gonna get even though it's probably not gonna be all that like super impressive it's still gonna be impressive in some way because i'm sure james cameron or his team um at lightstorm entertainment will like be involved in some way so uh, and, and with your thoughts and stuff like that i'm not to divert from the subject, but keeping the ideas of thoughts. What is with that? The, the Q1 earning that's an announcement. Another announcement that has is obviously upon us now is the Disney 100. What are your feelings on that? I feel like that's for some people that's a home run. Some people they feel like it's a complete miss, and then there's some people that are loving the armchair imagineering idea of the Disney 100. Uh, what are your thoughts and views on the Disney 100 so far? I mean, I. We're about three weeks into the celebration starting. What are your thoughts so far? Uh, I loved the celebration. I know you were there too. Um, I felt like it was uh, it was not the best one they've ever done, but it was cer- certainly way better than some of the more current ones we've had. Um, I felt like it was on the same vein as like the Disneyland 60th anniversary, the Diamond Celebration. Um, I don't think anything's going to beat the Happiest Homecoming on Earth 50th anniversary. I feel like that was like peak Disneyland. Yeah. Um, but this was great, right? It had a cohesive theme throughout um, both parks for the most part. Um, each parks were bringing something as part of the celebration, you know, a new world of color, a new um, fireworks spectacular, um, you know, we'll have magic happens back, which for all intents and purposes really looks and has the look and feel of the Disney 100 celebration anyway, as a parade. So uh, it only got three weeks of showtime really last time. So it can kind of be absorbed as this. So it can really feel like one big celebration. I think where this celebration lacked where others didn't is food offerings. They just didn't really Mm -hmm. have um, really great food offerings or or made that really a big priority um, as they did with other, like with the Pixar fest or like the get your ears on celebration for Mickey 90. Um, Honestly, I don't know how, um, I think with Mickey 90, the cool part was, um, you know, it's a company-wide celebration and it's also like a, every company around the world also collabing celebration kind of thing. And we're seeing a little bit of that, 
Um, you know, D- Mickey 90, we saw like Gucci do like a Mickey line. And we saw like every single food in the grocery store have like Mickey variants or Mickey 90 on it in some, some way. So you were seeing it literally everywhere. <clears throat> and we're starting to see that, right? You're seeing like cereals now have Disney 100. You're seeing snacks have Disney 100. You're seeing like fashion, high fashion brands like Givenchy doing like a whole line of Disney 100 stuff. Like, so I think we're going to see more and more this entire year. Um, and it's going to make it feel really big. Um, I think it's a miss that Disney World's not doing it at the same time. But I, I get that they're still doing their 50th because they kind of felt like it didn't get enough love since it debuted during the pandemic. Um, so I get kind of why they're extending that. Um, but I think that's the only place I feel like it could could have gotten a little better. I'm, I'm, I wish that Disney Plus had a lot more. Again, I'm a big nerd on the behind the scenes stuff. I wish there was more Disney Plus behind the 100s and stuff like that. Stuff to really showcase the 100. But I agree. Mm-hmm. I think so far it's been a solid celebration. Yeah. And I think another thing, too, um, the Disney 100 exhibit at the Lincoln attraction, Opera House on Main Street. I loved that attraction, but I felt like it wasn't big enough. And I really, really, really wanted them to take over the Lincoln Theater and um and do something some sort of video in there um we have a traveling disney 100 exhibit right i think it just kicks off this week um in chicago and they talked about that today you guys probably saw it on social media but they're debuting um a real hologram of walt disney in the exhibit where he's going to be talking to the guests that are there and um it, that's something I could see definitely get moved to the parks at some point in the future. Yeah. Um, but how cool would that have been to have some sort of um, history show or some sort of, like you said, a behind the scenes kind of thing. Um, and I was really hoping that not only would they have the exhibit in the opera house, like Disney gallery area in front, but then the show temporarily would have been taken over like they did during the 50th anniversary. So we, we talked about that on our live show. Uh, beginning of the year, right before the 100 kicked off, we talked about it. We were talking about ideas. And uh, we pitched an idea like changing the a- Abraham Lincoln animatronic to Walt and just reiterating the opening day speech of the park and showing that clip. But place yeah, would they be jam packed all the time if you did that. that, that oh, would, yeah. It would be. <laughs> yeah. Would be. It, it would have been cool. There's a lot of things they definitely could have done. Um, you know, the. For the most part, I feel like the decor like on the castle has been really good. Um, some of those like medallions, they're okay. Like they, um, I, although we are, we are seeing those kind of evolve, right? Um, Disney talked about some interactivity from Magic Band Plus in the same vein as like what Disney World had with the 50th. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about that, but we hadn't got it yet, right? And so I think, I can't remember who posted on it on Twitter I saw, but um, they were like installing some speakers around the big medallion in DCA on Buena Vista Street. So um, they are getting ready for that Magic Band Plus interactivity. So we might s- continue to still see it evolve a little bit. Um, maybe they're holding back some, you know, additional things to showcase once Toontown opens too, because I'm sure they'll invite the media back again at that point. Yeah. And another thing that they, they did, and everyone loves the fountains. I love the fountains. I think the fountains adds so much more magic to the castle. But if I'm not mistaken, and, and you might know more being a, a previous cast member, the Fallons were always there. They just weren't always working at some point, right? Because I, I remember seeing, like, the the light fixture under the water. But if I'm not – everyone's saying that they're new. But if I'm not mistaken, 
fountains were there previously. They were just not working, kind of like the water show in front of Pixie Hollow, how that's just kind of been forgotten. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Are the fountains really new, or they just been refurbished and back to life? Um, these fountains and these light fixtures are brand new, and they were for the Disney 100 celebration. Um, as far as Disneyland's castle moat having fountains in the past, I honestly don't know that one. Um, I, I can imagine, like, if I think back, I think, like, God, there had to have been something in here, I feel. Um, I know they had swans, like, or, like, they swimming in the moat, you know, at some point. I remember those from when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, that but, was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't, uh, I don't remember fountains, um, but I know these specific fountains and things were installed, um, for the Disney 100 celebration. But, um, I think you're right. Like at some point there had to have been something in there. Uh, they just didn't have it on or removed it a while ago. Yeah. I was watching, a, a Hey Bricky and I, he, he mentioned that those fountains just walking to the bridge and hearing that water splash adds so much more to the Disney. Uh, he kept saying the kinetics of it and the sounds and those fountains. I hope they're not just a Disney 100 thing. I hope they're yeah, I hope they stay here good. to be way past because that is a beautiful sound walking to the castle. Yeah, it is. It's great. Um, he's totally right. It really does bring um, a new vibe to the area. Um, you know, the relaxing water sound and also um, the water's not the prettiest, right? So yeah. it's uh, it really kind of breaks up the water a little bit and maybe even has some functionality when it comes to like bugs and stuff in the hum hot summer months. <laughs> so what do you think about like all the banners that are all over with all the dates and stuff? Are they pretty cool? Um, yeah, I felt like all the the banners, the, the like holographic, luminescent kind of fabric and stuff that they chose was pretty right. good. For what do you think of this one? Uh, <laughs> I saw a lot of those on, on the internet. Because <laughs> um, Bob yeah. Chapek fired. <laughs> yeah, it's funny too so, how so many of them needed to be corrected, and uh, I feel like Disney's having a um, like an uh, epidemic right now of bad bad a grammar thinking. issue. Because uh, they had the the Indiana Jones, you know, uh, construction signs. Then even just today during the Super Bowl cavalcade they had today on Main Street. Even the signs for that were spelled wrong. Oh my gosh. So uh, they spelled Main Street, Main Street. So, um, oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was, uh, it's just been, it's been terrible. I don't know who's in charge of kind of signs proofreading, but they need to make sure that there's maybe an extra pair of eyes on that or something. <laughs> so we have one more topic we need to talk about with you that it's Lewis, it's very near and dear to Lewis's heart, which is Toontown. But I want to I want to do our our, our uh, getaway today spot real quick. It's a two sure. minute break. We'll come back, talk about Toontown, and play a little bit of a game. You still good with time? You okay? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's take a minute. Wait, I gotta go back up here. So let's uh, take a second and hear about our sponsor, Getaway Today. Well, hello and welcome to Let's Get to Know Our Sponsor. Getaway Today has been helping Disney vacation dreams come true since 1990. Whether you choose to visit the happiest place on earth or travel to Orlando and beyond, they want to help you. Need to know the best hotel in the area? What theme park tickets should you buy? Have a last minute change? No worries. Their travel experts are always here to help. Want to book a cruise and don't know where to start? Hey, they can help with that too. They will help you find the perfect cruise for your vacation. 
whether it is your first time or you're a well-seasoned cruiser. When you book your cruise with one of the Getaway Today's experts, you will have a dedicated agent to help you every step of the way. They take care of the details so you can have the most fun. Getaway Today has layway, peace of mind travel, allowing you to cancel or make changes up to 72 hours in advance. You will always have the most up-to-date vacation information, both pre-arrival and upon your welcome. Getaway Today will guarantee the best prices with no hidden fees. And every time you book through Getaway Today, they will donate a portion back to a charitable organization in your area. And so far, over $4.5 million has been donated. So click the link in our show notes to start your Disney vacation planning for more information and the best deals. Tell them Walt's Apartment sent you. And until next time, enjoy the view from Walt's Apartment. We really do love Getaway Today. They're part of the reason I get to come down in March, so I'm pretty excited about that. So thank you, Getaway Today. Thank you also, Designer Park Co. and Discord Apparel for, for being part of our, our sponsor team. We appreciate you. Now let's get into Toontown. Um, your your show this week was all about Toontown. Um, a lot of it was about Toontown and what's coming up and what's going to be there. Um, D- Lewis is a huge – it's Lewis's favorite land, which he's oh, only wow. – it's the only person I know that Toontown is your favorite, is his favorite land. So, but um, Lewis, take you guys talk about Toontown for a minute. Well, well, to give you a little disclosure, so Toontown, there's a handful of reasons why Toontown is my favorite land. One, I love that it. it's it's very interactive. OG Toontown. Once germs became a real thing, ball pit was gone, the bounce house was gone. I mean, then it kind of went stale. But it's one of my oldest memories with my parents going to Disneyland. Uh, and there's a handful of reasons. So. Uh, one of the uh, Disneyland social clubs that I hang out with, Toontown Fight Club. Uh, really enjoy hanging out with them um, and giving me a chance to really hang out with them and express myself through Disney and just my personal well-being. So Toontown for me really holds a lot for me. But with this new update, I got a lot of good feelings, a lot of mixed feelings. But I haven't had a chance to listen to the Toontown episode, so I'm hearing it first from you. What are your thoughts so far on what we've seen? Um, from what I've seen so far, um, a lot of it I've really liked. Um, I I like the green space coming into Toontown. Um, the biggest change that I like is the the, the ground being flattened. Uh, there's no more curbs. There's no more jolly trolley tracks. Um, I'd love to have the jolly trolley tracks if it actually meant the jolly trolley was there <laughs> and yes. working. Uh, but unfortunately, since they couldn't have that attraction any longer, um, we'd rather have no tracks there. So they really did a good job, I feel, of reimagining that. And they, I don't know if you noticed it or took the time to kind of look at it, but um, they, uh, they, they inlaid some really nice brick, did some great brick work, very reminiscent to kind of what's on Main Street. Um, and then they um, kind of paved in some cartoon-like roads um, and I would imagine this road's probably going to travel all the way through Toontown to all the different houses. Um, it had, you know, not, it stayed true to the, the Toontown. Um, you know, I think back in the nineties when it opened the, the, all the news stations, when we were seeing on the news talked about how there's not a single straight line in Toontown and everything's kind of like wacky and, 
misshaped and even the the lines that they painted on that new kind of cartoon road were all kind of you know warped and and curved and so they really were paying homage to that um and i feel personally um mickey and minnie's runaway railway the cue that they did um that they went above and beyond to make it have the same look and feel of that og toontown it had the kind of over cartoonized like extra large sized um bigger than what you would think like normal everyday items like the ketchup pumps and different things in the in the concession stands and stuff like that um it looked like mickey's house stuff and minnie's house stuff when you were in there and i feel like they had to really go above and beyond to do that uh because they could have just made it more modern and new and um kind of fitting the style of the new cartoons and there's a little bit of that but even the stuff that they showed that was from the new shorts was done realistically in a physical prop that looked like it belonged in the Toontown world. So yeah. I thought that was great. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So for me, the line cue adds so much more flavor to that ride. Mm-hmm. I'm not the after now riding it. I'm not the biggest fan of the ride. Um, I enjoy mm-hmm. the look of it. I do think it's a tad bit fast. I don't know if you really get to, besides Daisy's dance studio, the rest of the ride just seems really fast. Like you can't really indulge what they've done for us until either Daisy's dance studio or the very end, uh, the lunch in the park scene. Other than that, though, I feel like it's very fast paced, but the line cue makes that ride seem so much better and enjoyable than what it is the practical effect with the movie screen, how it kind of pops out at you after the uh, the pie in uh, the smokestack. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway fits into Toontown so seamlessly. When we walked in, me and my wife and my kids that day, I looked at it, knew it was new, but didn't feel like it stood out like it was that new. Right. It's so natural. Um, I love the grass hour area in front of Rogers. I am a bit nervous on how that's going to play out because they have the stroller parking for the ride right in front of Rogers Rabbits that day we went. So I'm curious how that plays out when Roger Rabbit's really open. So I hope that there's a little bit more um, creativity with strollers and they don't just use that for the future stroller parking. I hope that it becomes a spot where families can go and rest and eat, especially if they reopen, which I may be the only one here, but I think the best pizza in Disneyland was the pizza place in Toontown. You got a a hefty size of pizza, for a reasonable price and it was really good it would be nice to go take the kiddos over to the grass area and just chill out and eat so i hope the grass area stays and doesn't become an overflow parking for our strollers but i do love like you shared like they stayed true to what toontown was it was mickey minnie and all their friends home um i love the new backdrop that mountains the way it looks it looks so cool um i love the fresh coat of paint that we've seen so far there are some parts that I wish they didn't use so much platinum white because I felt like I needed sunglasses in there. But, oh, my gosh, it was so – it felt so good to be back in Toontown. And just that little piece we got, I love that the mailboxes that are still there. I love that the dog pound is still there. I love that the gag factory and stuff like that are still there. They didn't take any of those interactive cues out. And not only that, another thing I liked on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is the line queue is like Star Wars Rise of the Resistant, where 
you can fill up the inside quite a bit before it overflows to the outside. So you're not going to be dependent on that extended queue too often, except for the busy seasons. And I think even then, once it's the ride itself is saturated and everyone knows what it is, I don't see it ever really overflowing to the outside. And I really like that because if they did that, that little area can become very congested even when the full land does open. Right. Yeah, it's uh it's the the ride in and of itself when it's working properly and not, you know, having some downtimes um is a great people eater. Um and I and I, you know, some of the cast members on opening day were telling us that the ride vehicles on this attraction um were bigger than Florida's and were able to accommodate more people per row than the ones in Florida were. Um I I wasn't able to verify that with anyone. Um and just by looking at it I couldn't really tell. Um, they were big, right? Um, according to the cast member, you can seat five per row. So each car would seat 10 people and then each train has like four cars on it. So it can take a lot of people. Um, although with like me and Mondo and other people sitting in the row, definitely not going to be five people <laughs> in that row. Um, but there's... Uh, what kind of capacity it, do you know what the capacity hourly is on it? I don't, but it it's it has a very quick moving ride line. Um, even with the pre-show and everything, it, it moves very fast. Uh, it's just, it does experience downtime. Yeah. Um, so it, it is prone to downtime, kind of like how Rise of the Resistance is. Trackless I, world. That's what we live in now. <laughs> yeah. And when they, when they do have their downtime, it's, uh, uh not a quick recovery. So yeah. that's, and then you got the whole problem of, you know, trying to, prioritized lightning lanes because they've been backing up during the downtime and then your standby queue gets longer and like lewis said that's when you start you know spilling out into the outside rather than staying inside so what are you most excited for i don't i hope you didn't say this when i stepped away but what are you most excited for in the the part that's that's gonna be opening on the 19th of march is there something you're really looking forward to seeing um i want to see how they redid that back half uh i know lewis knows what i'm talking about where um, I want to see how um, Gadget's Go Coaster changed yep. the Chippendales Gadget Coaster. And I want to see how um, I want to see what they did with the space where the treehouse used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's not there anymore. And uh, I think more importantly, I want to see like how and if the inside of Mickey and Minnie's homes changed at all uh, with what we saw um, in the land once it opened for their new attraction. Um there wasn't a lot of change there, but they made it look nice. So I'm, I'm thinking that we're probably just going to get that, you know, um, just make it look nice, fresh and new, and maybe Mm -hmm. a few additions here and there. Okay. I'm excited to see behind Donald's dote behind (laughs) Donald's boat. Um, because Donald's boat from what everyone keeps saying now, the concept art, especially once you're in the land, the concept art on the walls is probably the best we've gotten so far. A lot of them have been zoomed out or Mice Chat's helicopter views, but they have a lot of concept art on the walls, and Donald's boat doesn't look like you can go in anymore. I have a little bit of reservation saying that you can, but I feel like you can only go in from the back way, and I feel like the reason why they're going to do the back way is I feel like they're going to have Donald actually in the boat for a meet and greet, kind of like how many and many are, um, instead of having them out on the sidewalks, because that also created a lot of congestion when Goofy was out in front of his house, that line would have like be all over the place, leading by the fountain. So I could see the backside of Donald's boat 
being a meet and greet. And that's why they have the little uh, false fish tanks in front. So that way people aren't just up there watching it. They create a line queue, but I'm not for sure, but I'm curious to see how Donald's boat looks. Cause now that's a splash area. According to the concept art, it's going to be like a little splash pad where you can get wet, stuff like that. I'm excited to see Goofy's house because it's been years since we've been in Goofy's house. I mean, it was open before the pandemic, but lots of times it was closed and you couldn't go in. So it had hit and miss days. So I'm really excited to see how everyone's houses play out. But yeah, Gadget's Go Coaster, I'm curious. I hope they've done something to it, even if it's just a fresh facelift, paint and jobs like that. Because if not, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Um, but they did change. I don't know if you noticed it, Danny. They did change City Hall. So before, it used to have the stairs at the center, but now it's almost like a main stage. So I'm curious if we might get some type of character cavalcade kind of show on that main stage because it looks like a giant platform and there's no ramp access, if I'm not mistaken. So it's right there in the center where the characters used to come and go by the food area. So I'm curious if we'll see some type of little stage show to entertain guests because I'm sure those tables are coming back because it still looked like all those food service windows are coming back, just going to be rethemed, except for the gas station. The gas station has been changed quite a bit. It's going to be like a fruit stand marketplace instead of a gas station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Uh, before the Fortune Town closed, and I think before the pandemic, shutdown um toontown had like a little opening moment where they would play like the get your ears on song um and like the characters would all come out at at once and do like a little thing right by city hall um and then also to the city i don't know if you you, i'm sure you know but like when um different characters would come out they would kind of make a sound effect and like a horn would blast and then um the door would open and some care one character would walk out like it would be goofy it'd be mickey it'd be Pluto, whoever, walk out the door and then they would head to their respected areas for meet and greets. Uh, so it was kind of a fun little moment to watch the characters come out. So I feel like they really set it up to kind of highlight that. Um, but uh, to answer Sean's question, for me, uh, in addition to that, I think uh, I talked a little bit about my show too. I'm excited to see what Toontown looks like at night because we haven't seen yeah. it at night. Yes, yet. for sure. So, uh, see what it looks you like talked a lot night. about that on your show. The yeah, the the Imagineer, and I I forget his name, but he was the he's the lead on the project. The one that's all the Bluetooth connected. Oh, uh, he was me, the <laughs> <laughs> he was the lead like that they show in all the artwork and stuff, um, and the videos and things that they've done uh, that's on the project. But he was there at D twenty three Expo answering questions. Um, I and I got to ask him. You know, I waited in line to ask him questions, and I had a lot to ask. So. Um, but I asked about nighttime um, and I also asked how they would handle having a, a big attraction in a land that has to shut down during the fireworks. And so he answered all those questions. Of course, we see now how that works. Um, you know, now that Mickey and Minnie's runway railway has been open, but he shared that with us way back when that they had a plan to shut the land down and then reopen it after fireworks. So, uh, but he was very excited to tell me, that um, they were really looking forward to creating this new lighting, um, you know, whole structure and lighting's like different areas for Toontown that never existed because it didn't open at night. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to. I I'm not gonna lie, Toontown is probably my least favorite. 
I didn't even know they had pizza there. I'm not going to lie. I didn't, but now, now I got to have pizza. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited not to sound selfish, but that's like you said, you know, the ride itself is a, is a, is a person sucker. Now you're going to be pulling a lot of people out of the park into Toontown because it's all new. It's going to be great for a while. It's going to be, it's going to be a honeymoon period where other parts of the park is going to be a little bit emptier, you know? So it'll, it'll be nice, I think for, for a while, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it all. I'm looking forward to being, I've never been there for like a reopening or like a first day of something. I was hoping to be there for Disney 100 the first day, but I'm looking forward to hopefully still, I mean, I booked my flight, so I really should make it, but uh, I'm looking forward to to, to being down there for for, for just to check out Toontown on the first day. So it'll be fun. I got one more thing about Toontown and this is for Danny. How cool would it have been? They probably won't ever do it. It's obviously not coming, but a Toontown style, partner statue or a new Walt statue since there seems to be one in California one in Disneyland Epcot got one how cool would it have been or is it a missed opportunity to see a Toon style Walt Disney style statue in that land yeah, that w- that really would have been cool um, I-, I definitely like the idea of that tunes and um, you know the fountain that they have planned coming um, right in front of the El Capitan theater looks pretty cool but having that statue whether that was like in the centennial park or something like that um or even in that extra park they added by roger abbott that would have been really neat i think to kind of see how they imagined a, a tune version of of both mickey and walt together that would have been interesting to see um so yeah missed opportunity i feel that would have been good yeah, maybe that maybe that maybe someone's listening and they'll do it really quick. Maybe that's maybe that's what's taken so long. That's why it's taken two more weeks longer. Um, let's, you guys want to play a quick game? I, I got a couple couple quick a little, yeah, little game situation here. So basically, we played this game like a couple years ago on our on our show, and it's just it's quotes. And I know neither one of you were involved with the show at the time. So um, you got Michael Eisner, Bob Iger, Bob Chapik, and Walt Disney. I'm going to read the quote. You tell me who you think said it of those four people. It's really that easy. I just want to kind of see what you got. Because I, I, t- I, when I remember when I did this, I took some time into it, trying to think, okay, this sounds like Walt would say that. So I'm going to pick that's Walt. And so I'm going to see if I can trick you guys up a little bit. You guys are both pretty big on your Disney stuff. You're both. So let's go here with the first one. So remember, it's Michael Eisner, Bob Iger, Bob Chapik, and Walt Disney. Those are the four. All right. So first one here. My strength is coming up with two outs in the last of the ninth. Who said that? I'm a little Eisner. Okay. Uh, yeah, that seems like an Eisner quote. Dang, okay, you guys might be better than the other hosts at this. Yeah, it is Michael Eisner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next one here. The heart and soul of the company is creativity and innovation. Uh, that's definitely a Bob Iger quote. Okay. Repeat it. The heart and soul of the company is creativity and innovation. That innovation part throws me off because usually Iger is like, it's creativity and storytelling. Innovation sounds like Chapek. Like <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go the opposite of Danny. I, I'm Iger is my second runner, but I'm going to go Bob Chapek. All right. It's, it's Bob Iger. <laughs> okay um this one i i know this one because i read it in his book so i'll skip that one i get up at 4 30 in the morning seven days a week no matter where i am in the world bob Iger said that 
Um, next one here. You won't feel like you're in a theme park. Was it Michael Eisner, Bob Iger, Bob Chapek, or Walt Disney? Walt Disney. Yeah, I was going to say Walt Disney. It was Bob Chapek. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's too much credit for that, man. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the more The more you like yourself, the less you're like anyone else, which makes you unique. This is like one of my quotes of life. So going Walt Disney. Okay. Uh, um yeah, I'll go with Walt Disney too. Yeah, it is Walt Disney. <laughs> um if it's not growing, it's going to die. Oh. <laughs> Eisner. Okay. Um I'll go with JPEG. Okay, it was Michael Eisner. Okay. Got two more here. We thought it was important to find alternative ways to bring this exper- this exceptional family-friendly film to them in a timely manner. Sounds like a very JPEG thing. Because there's like no magic in that quote. And if it's somebody else, <laughs> I'm going to be surprised. Um, Your guess? Yeah, I'm going to pay paycheck. Uh, yeah, I sound, that sounds like JPEG. It definitely is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the last one, I do not like to repeat successes. I like to go on to other things. That's Michael Eisner. How's it, Eisner? Walt Disney. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I took, when I did that, I took some time. I'm like, okay, so this definitely sounds like a, a Disney thing. But yeah, that was my little game from like two years ago. But yeah, dude, I love having you on here. This is so much fun having you come in here and, I know Lewis was so excited for this. So tell everyone where we can find all of your stuff. Yeah. But before we do that, I have a question for you guys um, that we didn't, because I thought we might discuss it, but we didn't discuss it. So um, in regards to, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Toontown and what we're expecting from there. Um, You know, and I talked a little bit out on my show about how, um, I did speak with the Imagineers about Magic Band Plus interactivity coming to Toontown, mm-hmm. and they mentioned that um, you know they had already developed um, the idea for this reimagined Toontown well before Disneyland was going to be getting Magic Band Plus, or they thought they were going to be getting it, which was weird to me because I didn't, I didn't know that this would have been in, in you know development for so long. You know, it was odd to me. But um, what do you think? Um, now we've seen like power up band at super Nintendo world. What does Disney really need to add to make the magic band plus something that, um, you know, someone who's just vacationing one time will be inclined to like buy it. Like, is it the interactivity like all throughout the park? Is it gamification? Like what, what do you think's um, needed? I've never used a band, so I don't. Um, I, I I'll let Lewis answer first. I don't know if Lewis ever used a band either, but I've never used one. But I've seen them, and they look really, really badass. And I, I want, I will buy one just because I can say I have one. I don't know what I'll do with it, but um, go ahead, Lewis. So I have two responses. So for a for an adult, I think it definitely makes they need to allow Magic Band to get you off your phone. I, I believe it was Max Pass that you used to be able to go through and like upload your fast pass like stack them for the day allow that allow allow me to not have to be on my phone unless i'm taking pictures of photos allow me because i have three little ones so 
if I could just tap, tap, go and enjoy the smile on their faces, I'll buy bracelets to match my outfits all seven days a week. But as a kid, really perfect. Uh, is it called Disney Play? I think Peter Pan is the only one that has it in the line queue. Right. For kids, give them something. I mean, they have it now in Galaxy's Edge. I haven't seen a lot of video on it, and it seems cool. But allow kids to really just tap it and get some type of feedback, whether that's a little sound of, like, their character talking or a a rumble on their bracelet. Um, but I think really putting the interactiveness in your wristband, utilizing those wristbands in the line queue, because line queue, what do we do? We're on our phone. The kids are swinging the chain, beating people in the back of the rear. Like, it becomes a little bit like, oh, man, especially some of the Fantasyland rides where you're just switchbacking all of them. Allow that interactivity. Let us see stuff. Because my kids, when they see Tinkerbell pop up on the lamp because someone opened it, they're like, how did they do that? And I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) I don't know, but there's a sign that says it, and I don't really know. Allow kids to do that. Um, But for adults, get adults off their phone. Because sometimes – between mobile ordering, fast passes, line queues, even tickets. I mean, it's so hard to stay off your phone just for a regular Disney-type day. So for adults, I think just making it more accessible. But for kids, making it way more interactive. Give them something to play with while they're in the line queue, not having to play with the chains. Right. No, I I agree. Those are all great things. Um, I definitely think you're spot on when it comes to, like, interactivity of unlocking things right little magical moments let kids do that with their magic band that really will go you know above and beyond i think that kind of started right with they what they were doing in disney world with the statues um the only unfortunate thing is that statues like didn't come to life or anything they just made sound so it would have been nice if they came to life in some way because the kids really love to see that but um i'm excited to see i know he mentioned it would be coming to toontown in some shape or form Uh, i know the majority of it won't be um, mm-hmm. but um, they did br- plan on bringing some of it. So we'll, I'll be excited to see what that is, whether that it debuts on the 19th, I don't know, but um, I'm excited to see whenever it does come. And another, a lot of people have been hinting to me that the tree house is going to be like full of that. So the, the Ventureland tree house. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm excited to see kind of what that unveils too, as well. seems like they've been working a while on the upper parts. So, right. Um, back back to your question. After what Lewis said, I, I think a cool idea, which I mean, we have the technology now, obviously, that once you you create your magic band, you know, it's Sean Williams, right? So if if little kids, you know, were able to create their band and it's it's Andrew Medina, right? You know, Lewis the son, the face character, the face character. If if a print, if Bell walked up to you and said, "Hey, Andrew," I mean, that blow your freaking mind. I think I, I don't I mean it probably make, maybe scare some people. I think that'd be a cool idea. I remember seeing I think it was Ordinary Adventures video that when they were at Nintendo Land, how it was just so they were they were hitting the thing to try to get the points and make it more like Lewis and make it more fun, make it more game wise. And I hope, like you said, they have the Bounty Hunter game now, obviously in Galaxy's Edge, but to do more things than that as well. I think. I'd, it would, it'd be fun for sure. Or like the glow at the show. Remember those ears? I felt like those ears were cool, but they were never synchronized. I mean, they right. were kind of. I felt like I watched a lot of videos, and half the, one ear would be like red, the other one would be blue, and then some areas it'd be like yellow. It's like wait, wait a minute. 
imagine the because it's just a little LED square and it's just the rim. Imagine going to the fire scene of Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and it's all of a sudden your wristband is glowing orange and red, just kind of giving that little bit. And I'm sure for Disney, all they'd have to do is put like some type of box, like a Bluetooth box, up in the ceiling. Hey, when you catch wristbands, change the colors. Or when you're going through, I don't know, Peter Pan, it is blue and white, the twinkling star. So that there's just such, such little subtleties that they can do that with the technology that Disney has, they can probably pull it off without even having to really change anything. Uh, or Winnie the Pooh, it goes yellow and orange when you're going through the honey room or yeah. that, or the Alice in Wonderland room in Winnie the Pooh, it's changing colors. That'd yeah. be cool. Um, so I think they can do more of that. Um, but whatever they do, don't rush it because sometimes if you rush something, especially with Disney and the magnifying glasses on them, if you rush something and it doesn't work, I feel like Disney's better off just getting rid of it than trying to perfect it. Because if you just keep trying to perfect it, nobody's going to give it a chance. They want Disney to come out swinging, hitting home runs every time. We're not in an era where everyone's willing to give Disney a second chance. If something falls on its face, Fans are aggressive these days, and they don't want to give it a second chance. So if the glow at the show years, I think those are the perfect example. They came out a little too prematurely. They didn't have enough shows that really interacted with them. And now you can find them on eBay for a very pricey penny. Yeah. And the the problem with glow at the show was is when you were wearing it, you couldn't see it. So you, everyone, everyone else could, but you could. Yeah, you didn't everyone know else got to experience the, the the fun that you should be experiencing as the person that bought it. Right. But yeah, um, I have a question for you when we're done. So we might hang it out when we're done. Yeah. Okay, cool. So again, tell us where we can find Danny, where we can find all of your stuff, your awesome content, but um, hit us with that. Yeah, so you can um, subscribe to the, the podcast, the 5571 podcast. Uh, just search 5571 podcast um, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can ask your smart home speaker, um, I don't want to say the names to set them off, but you can ask. Them to do that as <laughs> oh, well come on, too. go ahead. <laughs> People are like, what uh, the hell? <laughs> uh, you can do those as well, too. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, uh, on my YouTube channel, Just Ask Danny, uh, where I post, try to post content every week if I can. Um, and then um, I'm on Instagram as well, Just Ask Danny, too. Um, I'm more active these days on Twitter. Um, so you can find me there saying everything's under just ask Danny for the most part with the exception of the podcast. Uh, and then of course on Sundays, I do a live stream with Mondo for speculation Sunday on his channel. If I fires YouTube. Yes. Yes. Um, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, Lewis. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. All of our listeners. Thank you so much. And until next time, we hope you enjoy the view from Walt's apartment. Good night, everyone. Bye. Happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here, age relives fond memories of the past. 
and here you may savor the challenge and promise of the future. Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America with the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world.